I like things that are different. If you do what everybody expects, you're just doing the ordinary. But if you surprise people, that's fun. This is Stanley saying, Excelsior. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 215, a tribute to Stan Lee. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. And welcome back, everyone. Um, today, we're uh, going to get right into it. we got some uh, very sad news today, uh, which is that the uh, great Stan Lee uh, had passed away. Uh, so I put uh, feelers out to as many people that could... Uh, attend tonight uh decided i'm gonna do an episode tonight and actually try to get out tonight uh and john you were you were the winner that was available today (laughs) (laughs) um some other people said they could make it and and i haven't heard back from them so yeah sadly uh i will say uh and i don't think i'm stretching it by saying this uh Stan Lee, in in my eyes, and I think in a lot of people's eyes, and I, I don't know if it really can be argued, regardless of what you thought of him, you know, as far as what he created and what he didn't create, I think it's hard to argue that he wasn't uh, that he was an icon. I mean, he really was. Uh, I I almost put him up there in up there with like Jim Henson, uh, Disney stuff like that because he he created so much and he made Marvel what it was. I don't know, John, I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but I'm trying to look at it objectively. I kind of feel like he's one of those icons that is just known. I think he's, I think if you talk to most people who don't know anything about comic books, you know, even my mother, you name Stan Lee, she knows who Stan Lee is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, sadly, we lost Steve Ditko earlier this year. Yes. If I said, hey, mom, Steve Ditko, she wouldn't know him at all. Yeah. Uh, which is unfortunate, but I think you're absolutely right. I think Stan was just a, a larger than life presence yeah. in in everything that he did. And yeah. like you said, regardless of what you may have thought of him uh, personally, uh, he was. A, he, I think icon is a very fair way to put it. Yeah. Before we get into uh, this episode, is is pretty free form. Uh, I do have some information about his life and some factoids out there that I think maybe some people know, some people might not know. There's definitely stuff I learned about him that I did not know. But first thing, uh, right off the bat, John, what I'd love to know is, one is, when when, and how did you find out? It's kind of typical for this type of stuff. Like, how did you find out and what was your reaction, initial reaction? And then on a happier note side of that, what was your first, that you can remember, your first exposure to Stanley? Like, how did you first learn who he was, and, and what was that experience like? Answer the first question first. My Facebook feed just blew up. Yeah. And as soon as I saw Stanley, I'm like, well, I know what that is. You know, they're, yeah. uh, again, we don't need to open wounds. But I, I told one of my friends, uh, it's it's a sad end for a guy that as big of a presence as he was the last couple of years of his life have been extremely challenging. And certainly with the loss of his wife last year, you know, but we're not TMZ. We're not going to go into all that. I I hope, I mean, it's just, it's sad because for all the adulation, for all the money that he made, uh, it doesn't make family squabbles go away. It doesn't make your life easier. And, And it's unfortunate that in your, golden years that you're dealing with a lot of that kind of yeah. garbage. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but I, like I said, saw it on Facebook and like I said, was not surprised. 95 is an amazing run. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm trying to think back though, as far as, you know, as a kid, I mean, he, I guess it was kind of synonymous. I, I remember reading some Spider-Man funny books as, a, you know, as a grade school kid and seeing it, you know, Stan Lee presents and, okay. yeah. uh, you know, he was on the voice on the cartoons and, you know, I think he was always kind of there. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. when it, just kind of we've talked about before. You know, like I never really thought about the fact that different people drew comic books. I just knew I just saw drawings, right? You know, right. Like when you're or when you really get started, and you would just see Stanley presents. Yeah, and I, you know, so did I know that Stanley created the characters that he did when I was a, a, a little kid? No, I didn't. Uh, and he was just kind of a again a presence. Stan soapbox. You always saw Stan yeah. soapbox yeah. and everything. So yeah, I just. I think from the first time you pick up a Marvel comic, his name was on it again yeah. in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. And 
he was there. And then, uh, you know, I think again, as you get older and you, uh, I think for those who haven't read it, the, the untold, like the, I think it's called the untold story of Marvel comics is yeah. a really interesting oral history, uh, of the, of the uh, company. And it certainly paints, uh, what seems like most people think to be a fairly accurate picture, good, bad, and different about all the things that went on there over the years. But, um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm trying to remember. How about you, though? As far as yeah, um, and, uh, and you're absolutely right. I'm not. We're not going to get into any of the dirt or the or negative things that have happened, especially the last few years for him and to him and everything else. I don't want. I want this to be much like we did with Jeremy. I want this to be not that Jeremy had any dirt, but <laughs> I want this to be a celebration of who he was and everything else. Because um, so first off, how I found out was I, I had a coworker, uh, Chris, come up to me. And he says, uh, Ryan, I've got some, some bad news. And he's, Chris is a jokester. He, so I just was like, I'm, I'm smiling already and going, okay, what's, what's going on? And he goes, no, I seriously have some bad news. And he says, um, he says, you might want to brace yourself. And I was like, what is it? So now I'm like actually nervous. <laughs> and he says, uh, Stan Lee just passed away. And I was like, oh, I was like, that, that I literally just said, oh, that sucks, because I didn't know how to respond to it, especially with it being, <laughs> with him hyping up that this is going to be really bad news. Um, and I'm thinking something with my family or something like that. And uh, I said, man, that that just sucks. Like, it, and it, and that's when it kind of hit me was when I had the second time where I just had a second thought towards it and everything. And uh, he's like, he's like, are you okay? And we had a coworker. Uh, she doesn't work there anymore but uh when prince passed away she was a huge prince fan and when prince passed away like she was bawling her eyes out she actually wanted she actually wanted to go home for the day and everything else and i was like well i'm not gonna do that it wasn't like uncle stan passed away um so it wasn't anything at that level but it was one of those like i mentioned at the beginning of the show this was one of those icons that i grew up with and to, to tie it right into my other question about like first exposure to him. Um, it's the best thing I can remember is the cartoons was hearing his voice for, you know, the amazing, uh, Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man's amazing friends, uh, hearing his voice. He was every bit for me, the voice of Marvel before I even picked up a comic book. Like, I, to your point about like just the general public knowing, I knew Stan Lee was Marvel Comics, and they were one and the same in my eyes. I don't believe what you're telling me. In your reality, I'm a character in fiction? Yep, and I'm an actor who plays you on TV. But there's someone here I knew you had to meet. He's the man who created you for fans all over the world. And I said to Jack, what if his skin turns green? Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm looking for some guy named Stan Lee. What? Spider-Man? Uh, Pam, hold my calls for a while. I, I think I've finally gone crazy. Oh, man! Wow! You know, Spidey, I've always wanted to experience real web-slinging. And I've always wanted to be appreciated as a real hero. It seems you've made me into one. Thanks. Hey, don't mention it. After saving all of reality, where do you go from here? To find Mary Jane. My Mary Jane. I've been told she's still alive. I can't wait to see her. You know, for so long, I've thought that I never got any breaks. But now, after all I've been through, for once, I like my life. I like myself. And for the first time ever, I wouldn't want to change anything about me. Gee, you're definitely not the same guy I've been writing about all these years. Well, Stan, we all have to grow up sometime, I suppose. Even us characters of fiction. Spider-Man, it's time to go. Who is that exotic lady? Oh, her? Now she's my ride. It's been great meeting you. Take care of yourself. You too, Spider-Man. Farewell and good luck. Wow. I wonder how I'm supposed to get down from here. I suppose I could wait for the Fantastic Four to drop by and give me a lift. That's Stan Lee. He's quite a guy. I think he's truly special. Well, to your point, yes, I didn't know 
creator wise. Like I, but I knew Stan Lee, and it's like, oh, here's a Spider-Man comic. Okay, it's Stan Lee's Spider-Man comic. I didn't know that he created Spider-Man. I didn't know that he worked with Steve Ditko to create Spider-Man. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just knew Stan Lee made this Spider-Man comic. I didn't read the writ, written by. I didn't read the penciled by. <laughs> it just thought, like right. you said, I just thought that Stan Lee presents. I'm like, this was Stan Lee's comic book. Um, and I think there was even points where I wasn't even sure if Stan Lee was an actual person or a persona. And people would probably argue that <laughs> the answer might be yes to both of that. Because <laughs> sometimes he was just a persona of himself. Um, but yeah, I, the voice of him is the thing that will always stick with me because I grew up with the cartoons before I even got into the comics and his voice was just prevalent throughout those cartoons. You would constantly hear it for years and years afterwards. I mean, he was the face of Marvel, uh, forever. So, and I remember the card, there was the comic book cards that came out and one of the cards says Mr. Marvel and it's Stanley's face, but it has a bunch of the other, all the care, a lot of the characters he created were part of his face too. So, Hey everybody, we're back. Folks, my next guest tonight is the creator of Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk. He's been a part of Marvel Comics for more than 50 years. Please welcome back to our show, Stan Lee. So, I've got this beautifully tailored jacket. I wanted to keep it buttoned. And they put this big microphone, this bulging thing, inside of the pocket. <laughs> sorry oh, about well, that. My wife will kill me. How we are you? We have crappy technology here. I'm sorry about it. People will think it's a gun. They'll think you're very cool. Hey, that's okay. That's cool. All right, good. Now, so, let's, let's talk about something. I said in the intro, 50 years you've been working in... Give or uh, take a couple of weeks. All right, give or take a few weeks. That's not important. But for 50 years you've been working... In comic book, is that possible? I mean, did you do anything before? I don't you? think so. I, oh, I had I had other jobs before that. I mean, don't think I only worked in comics. Uh-huh. When I was in high school, I freelanced and I wrote um, I wrote obituaries for people who were still alive. And uh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a how, really good use of your time. Stan. You know, when, when a celebrity when a celebrity dies, uh-huh. about fifteen minutes later, the newspaper comes out and there are three pages of write-ups about him. And you uh-huh. wonder how did they write it that fast? It's all there in advance. Exactly. And that's how you know you're famous. I would love to think somewhere, somewhere, my obituary, you know, is in a file somewhere. <laughs> then I'd know I made it. <laughs> I don't what want to see it too thought. soon, but that's okay. So it's written way ahead of time. Yeah. My it, obituary could be written. Is that right? Somewhere well might be. out yeah. there it could be written somewhere? It probably is. You're probably in <laughs> files all over the country. They've probably country. run it a few times. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Well, the important thing, let's, let's talk about the comics because... My brother, when I was growing up, my brother Luke collected uh, Marvel Comics, so I, I know some stuff about it. And uh, I know you've coming up, the big rivalry is between Marvel Comics and DC Comics. Oh, you're giving it away. No, it's true. Well, coming up soon, you guys are going to have the Marvel characters fight the DC characters, correct? We refer to it as the mighty Marvel Universe versus the DC heroes. And... Um, <laughs> You uh, bastard! No, All right, well, let's talk about let's talk about some of the matchups. Superman versus the Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Now, I would think Superman would kick his ass. I'm sorry, but Superman. Do Super- you have any competitors? Competitive <laughs> shows I can deal yeah. with? Snyder, just go. Uh, no, um, no, but like Superman, he's good at everything, you know. And and, and he's. Su- I always thought Superman was kind of a bad idea for a character. Because the Marvel characters are all good at one thing. You know, Spider-Man can climb a wall, you know, and the... He also and, has a nifty, skin-tight outfit, you know, and, and how he sees through that. those <laughs> white things, I, I'll never know. All right, but what I'm saying is then... then and he D- shoots webs. Exactly, exactly. But DC invents this character, Superman, mm-hmm. who's good at everything, you know? He's mm-hmm. just like, he's super strong, he has supervision, he just, anything you name but it, he can do his, it. that's his Achilles heel. He is so unstoppable that they had to later on invent kryptonite because the stories were getting... Nobody cared. They didn't worry about it. Exactly. How can you write a story about a guy who always can do anything better than anybody else? You almost can't. See, that's why, says he, segueing into what he wants to talk about, that's why the Marvel (laughs) characters are so terrific. That's why the Marvel characters are so terrific. Like me, they have their faults. They have weaknesses. Okay, another matchup is going to be Batman versus Captain America. Mm -hmm. Who's going to win? that one. Oh, 
not only... Guys shouting out, Captain America! <laughs> that there is greatness in your audience. Oh, now listen to this. Listen, yeah. That's right. You guys have Captain America. Now this one, I'm sorry, this one's Superboy versus Spider-Man. Now you're talking about a guy who can literally, Superboy can can smash planets by hitting them really hard. Can he shoot yeah. a web? Oh, yeah, he can shoot a web, <laughs> Spider-Man. Hey, you do that very well. You well, know, we I haven't hired the guy to play the role yet. Really? That's right. Let's talk. Well, later. Um, <laughs> but Superboy versus Spider-Man, I would no, think that's... I have gonna... to confess something to you. Even if I knew who the winner was, I couldn't tell you. But I don't know. Nobody knows because the readers themselves are going to vote. See what it is. The oh, the books... readers can call up yeah, and say... No, no, they don't call. They have to literally vote. There are going to be ballots in the books. The books are going to be published uh, December, January, February, and March. In December, we introduce everything, and we learn how the Marvel Universe comes in contact with the DC world, whatever it is. <laughs> You know, I feel like I have to give equal time to someone from D.C. That's Comics. okay, that's okay. Nah, let's not do it. All right, this is you. I, I like your attitude. Right. Then, the, um, let's see, uh, Spider-Man actually, he gets into Gotham City. No, no, he's always in New York, you know, the real world. Right. But somehow our great writers have found a way to put him in Gotham City. He meets the Joker. Well, he, he just takes a penguin. cab or something. Yeah. What's the big deal? Are oh, you spoiling the whole <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. And, and then in the next issue, the fights start. Now, Marvel is going to do two of the issues, and DC is going to do two of the issues. Okay. And we have these big battles with all our heroes against their heroes. The readers vote, and on the fourth month in March, we learn which universe triumphs and which universe is shattered and you'll never see me again if it's the marvel <laughs> universe so drink me in while you can you'll be out i mean of if job. it's the dc universe all yeah. right well it's gonna be one of those tie things it? <laughs> it's gonna be a tie when, yeah when superman and flash had a foot race it was a tie it was a tie it made Wasn't me really that mad see, that's it's a joke when it's a tie over there. yeah i don't know we would never <laughs> you would never do that all right well i have no idea though i'm not writing these thank god i wouldn't want to have to write these you just get the cash uh well not exactly oh. i share it with a few other people <laughs> Like the rest of the world. You're on the good end of this thing. All right. Well, let me mention the auction at Christie's East Saturday, oh, I should yes, mention. Yes. is, uh, And, of course, Marvel versus DC right in. Fans mm -hmm. can do that. Stan, it was really good having you oh, on. Hey, I enjoyed every bit of that. Stan Lee, everybody. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. So just to get into a little bit of his history, and then we can go into some of the uh, factoid things that I kind of found out about him. Uh, so for, for those that don't know, he was born Stanley Martin Lieber. On December 28th, 1922, uh, he grew up uh, in Washington Heights, uh, where his father was a Romanian immigrant, uh, and he was a dress cutter. He loved adventure books of Errol Flynn uh, and uh, or adventure books and Errol Flynn movies. Uh, he said that his mom encouraged him to to love those types of things, and he thinks he gets his uh, he got his self confidence from his mom. He graduated from DeWitt Clinton High School. Uh, he joined the WPA Federal Theater Project, where he appeared in a few, a few stage uh, shows. And he, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but he actually wrote obituaries for a living for a while. Um, we, we all have to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and he actually got out of that business because it, uh, it was depressing, as you could imagine it would be. <laughs> Um, in 1939, he got a job as a gopher uh, for $8 a week at Marvel, uh, or uh, the Marvel predecessor, which was uh, Timely Comics. Uh, two years later, for Kirby and Joe Simon's uh, Captain America number three, he wrote a two-page story titled The Traitor's Revenge. So that's his very first written work uh, in comics. And it was used as a text filler to uh, qualify the company for the inexpensive magazine mailing rate. And that's when he first used the pen name of Stan Lee because he always believed that he was going to be some great American novelist and he wanted to save his real name for that. Um, so that's why he chose the name Stan Lee for the comic industry because back then, if you worked in comics, you really didn't want to tell people you worked in comics because it was kind of looked down on. It was, it was, I mean, not that it, well, I guess it's looked at way better today, but for a long time it was always looked down on. Uh, and uh, so he didn't he tell people he would... He wrote uh, for, you know, magazines and things like that. So he was named interim editor at age 19 by par uh, publisher Martin Goodman uh, when the previous editor quit, uh, quit. 
1942, he enlisted in the Army and served in the Signal Corps, where he wrote manuals and training films uh, with a group that included Oscar winner Frank Capra, uh, uh, Pulitzer winner William uh, Sorian, and Theodore Geisel. Do you know who Theodore Geisel is? That would be Dr. Seuss. That is correct. Uh, After the war, he returned to the publisher and served as editor for decades. Uh, Following DC Comics' lead with the Justice League, Lee and Kirby, in November of 1961, launched their own superhero team, which was the Fantastic Four. And then uh, that's also when it was newly renamed Marvel Comics. While I was working for Marvel, the first 20 years or so, I was just doing regular comics. Then, after a while, I really wanted to quit because I felt... While Martin Goodman was a great guy and a good publisher, I didn't like really what he wanted me to do. He kept he he felt comics were just for young kids or stupid adults. And he used to say to me, remember, Stan, don't use words of more than two syllables. Don't have too much dialogue. Get a lot of action. Don't worry about characterization. And that was fine. I was doing it and the books were doing well and I had a steady job, but it wasn't satisfying because I really think of myself as a reasonably good writer I I like to write so I really wanted to quit and try something else and I remember Joan said to me you know Stan if you want to quit before you do why don't you do one book the way you would like to do it the worst that happens is Martin will fire you and so what you want to quit anyway So coincidentally, at that time, he had found out that our competitor, DC Comics, which called itself National Comics in those days, they had done a book called The Justice League of America, a group of superheroes, and it was selling very well. And he said to me, Stan, why don't you do a book about a group of superheroes? So I figured this is my chance to do it my way. So... I came up with something I called the Fantastic Four, about four superheroes. But instead of making them heroes who wore costumes, I figured I'm not going to give them costumes. Because I always felt if I had a superpower, why would I want to put on a costume? First of all, I'm too much of a show-off. I'd want everybody to know it's me. I would never wear a mask. And why would I need a costume if I could jump over a building? I don't have to wear a colorful costume. I'll just jump over the building. At any rate, I didn't give them costumes, and I tried to make them real characters living in the real world. The hero wasn't just a perfect guy. He was a fellow like me. He talks too much. He's a scientist, quite boring. He was always boring the others because when he explained anything, he went on forever, and one of the other guys was always saying, will you shut up? And... um, the obligatory teenager in the group, instead of just like Robin with Batman who just runs around and fights the bad guys with him, I, I made this teenager a guy who didn't want to be a superhero particularly. He, want, he was like I would have been when I was a teenager. He wanted to go out with girls and ride a sport car and so forth. And the, and the um, girl, instead of an obligatory female who always has to be rescued and doesn't know who the hero really is. She was the hero's fiance. fiance. She knew who he was. They all knew who they were. And she also had a superpower that was as good as anyone else's. So she was a fighting member of the team. And the fourth guy was a monster. Something had happened to him, and he became very ugly and incredibly strong. And I used him for both pathos and humor because he was always fighting with the others, and not physically, but verbally, always insulting them and yelling at them, and he was hot-tempered, and he was always picking on the human torch that was the teenager, who was always picking on him, and I got a lot of comedy out of them. I called him the thing, and he became by far and away the most popular member of the group. Well, at any rate, oh, and another thing, <clears throat> instead of having them live in a um, fictional place, like Metropolis or Gotham City. I plunked them right down in New York City. And because I knew New York City, I could write about New York City. And I figured, why not let them live in a real place? 
And instead of driving a car like a an eight-cylinder whiz-bang, I had him drive, I had Johnny drive a Chevy Corvette. And I had them live on the east side in the, uh, I forget where, near Madison Avenue. And um, when they went to a theater, they didn't go to the Bijou. They went to the Radio City Music Hall. Try to keep everything as realistic as possible, even though it was just a comic, superhero comic. Well, the book did wonderfully. It sold great. But a funny thing happened. I got a lot of fan mail, and we had almost never gotten fan mail before. And uh, all the letters said essentially the same thing. We love the book. It's the greatest. We'll keep buying it forever. You're the greatest writer. Jack is the greatest artist. It's terrific. But if you don't give them costumes, we'll never buy another issue. Now, I'll never understand why. I will never understand why. But for some reason, people who like superhero stories like their superheroes to wear costumes. Okay, I'm not going to go against that. And uh, he helped create, as many people know, the Hulk, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Daredevil, and X-Men, as well as a whole bunch of other characters. Uh, he helped launch the Avengers a title in September of 1963. Uh, in 1972, Lee was named publisher and relinquished the Marvel editorial reins to spend all of his time promoting the company. He moved to Los Angeles in 1980 to set up an animation studio. And uh, he built and he built up some relationships in Hollywood. He purchased a home overlooking the Sunset Strip that was once owned by Jack Benny's announcer Don Wilson. Uh, Lee launched the internet-based Stanley Media in 1998, and the superhero creation, production, and marketing studio went public a year later. Um, in 2002, Lee published an autobiography titled Excelsior: The Amazing Life of Stan Lee. As you can imagine, only he would title it that. <laughs> His wife Joan was a hat model who he married in 1947. So they were they were married uh, just over uh, 70 years when she actually passed away. So um, I joked with someone at work today and I said, "I've been married to my wife for 17 years. I can't imagine 70 years. I figure like after 50 years, you just go. You know what? We didn't think it was going to go this long. Um, just you go that way. I'll go this way." <laughs> Because one of my friends said, because uh, obviously with her passing away, you hear about the couples all the time that, you know, when one passes, the other one passes. And she says, I can't, he, you know, he probably couldn't imagine his life without her. And I says, I says, yeah, but at 70 years, can you, can you imagine your life with that person after 70 years? <laughs> <laughs> and then I just wanted to mention this one quote, uh, even though Spider-Man 3 is a movie, uh, is often panned uh he does appear uh in that movie as he did many movies and he says to peter parker you know i guess one person can make a difference enough said and enough said was definitely a, a line he used and uh i th i think definitely him saying you know one person can make a difference is uh very apt for him because he created entire worlds and i want and tied into that i wanted to just give one quote here that my wife actually sent to me that Stan Lee said. Um, he says, I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer while other people were building bridges or going to uh, going on to medical careers. And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain, you're doing a good thing. And I can't imagine truer words being spoken i mean it's one thing that we've always said i mean i think back when i read that i even think back to one of the things when we were doing uh toys for tots and stuff like that that we always said uh there's great charities out there that make that help you to live your life but a charity like toys for tots is something that helps make life worth living because it puts a toy in your hand that makes life feel a little bit better and i feel like that's what stanley did with comics like he just made life feel a little bit better The big chocolate in the pants, great studio audience, um, show. <laughs> My next guest is a living legend. He is the chairman of POW Entertainment. He is the chairman emeritus of Marvel Entertainment. I don't know what that means, but it sounds really cool. <laughs> he is the genius that is Stanley, everybody. Stanley. 
First of all, I've got a bone to pick with a you. A bone to pick with me? Yeah. You show a clip of Ice Cube's uh, show. Yeah. I didn't see any of my cameos on film. Right. I didn't see any of the stuff. I And not only that, I have to follow a guy who's a rapper yeah. and an actor, and I come on helpless and oh, sitting, I don't know what to say what, or what, what to do. About? Wait, no one just said I have an image. I'm a generalism. Yeah, I hear you. And look what you're you. doing to me. Look, 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 Stan. Yes. To be fair, I haven't even got to say good evening to you yet. You just came out here. I know, but I Get like, right at me between the eyes. Stan. I don't right like your attitude. Eyes. Yeah, no, wait, you've got the attitude with what happens, Stan and I, if you don't uh, follow us on the Twitters, uh, Stan is smiling Stan Lee and I'm Craigie Ferdin. We we very nearly came to blows on the Twitter, didn't I we? I know, because you've got this ridiculous robot skeleton army. Don't you call that ridiculous, no, don't not, you? I have seen Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get to you. Yeah. I'm not finished with you yet. And I happen so to have, I, actually. <laughs> I have my brave brigadiers. Yeah. And there's 70,000 strong almost. I got 230,000. Ah! I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, I, I was following you on the Twitter and you were following me. So that means I was in your army and you were in mine. Can't we get, all get along? You're right. You're right. I, yeah. But we did. We did declare an armistice, and you were gallant in your defeat. And I want to admit hey, that. Yeah. I was in front of everybody. You were a gallant loser. All right. All right. To be fair, I think that's the most accurate description of me I've ever heard. <laughs> gallant loser. And another thing I have to say about well, you. Well, I thought you're not gonna you're not gonna leave it at that. You're gonna do another thing at yeah. me. What? I was on your show one month after you started. When was that? In '95 or so? Uh, one a, month after. I was you about started. I was about 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now it, what happened? I've never been invited since. I understand you lost somebody. That somebody copped out now, so you called me quickly in an emergency. <laughs> What happened in those intervening years? All right. Couldn't first stand of all, the competition, right? First of all. Craigie first. Don't you smile in Stanley, because what? <laughs> first of all, you've been booked on this show for four years. I've been what? We've had you on the books here for four years. Yeah, but I and didn't you can know never about make it because you're going to Comic Con, you're being an Iron Man, you're being oh I'm Stan Lee everywhere. I don't, well, I don't have time for your crappy little show. Finally, you show up and then you blame me, Stan me. I didn't want to say it, but I've really outgrown you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's I, true. I it's felt. True. The least I could do is come on tonight. You need a little help. I do. Here I am. Yeah. That's what us generalissimos do. All right, all right. I'm going to be gallant in my defeat then. Are you uh, Are you by any chance going to Comic-Con this year, by the oh, way? Oh, sure. Really? Hey, do you want to come? I can't, I, I'd love to go to Comic-Con, but I can't go with you. Why? Well, that'd be like going to Disneyland with Mickey Mouse. I can't go with you <laughs> to Comic-Con. It's like, if I go with you, no one, I'll get trampled in the rush. Going of, with Who's there? Did you sign this? I can... <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny the way that happens. They very often give me some security people. Yeah. Guys who wear red t-shirts and it says security. I get about six of them to march me through so that nobody will bother me. Right. But what happens, it's like a parade. People see them and they come over. If they just leave me alone, well, you... I could walk by nicely. Just you couldn't, though. You see, because you'd attract attention. No, because you're funny looking. No, no I don't. <laughs> they think you're in costume. You know, they think. Oh you're... yeah, because there's no funny looking people at Comic Con. <laughs> Nobody's funny looking there. Very good. Yeah. Oh, look at the human. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but we're doing a documentary. My little company, Pow, oh, yeah, which I thought you'd that? never mention. Oh, yeah, all right, all right. Well, what does it mean, Pow, then? Pow it, Entertainment. Obviously, you figured out already that Pow, P-O-W, stands for Purveyors of Wonder. And our little Purveyors of Wonder company is doing a, um, a documentary with Morgan Spurlock and Josh Whedon about the they're, Comic-Con. They're, they're good, those and people. And if you come with me... Who knows? You might be part. We might. We could make you famous. We could give you your 15 minutes of fame. Are you saying to me, right here, that you can get me in a documentary? Well, it won't be easy. I got to convince those two guys. But <laughs> who nah. knows? I might be able to. No, I don't know. I don't feel I did. The, the, see, the comic. I'm attracted to all of that stuff. But you. I mean, you created a great That's deal right. of that I'd stuff. I'd like you to have a little more awe in your voice. I've got plenty of awe. All right. 
wait a minute, I'll do it again. Stan, you created. I'm doing a bit of Shatner Better here as well. You see that? You can learn. Yeah, That's yeah. what I like yeah, about yeah. you. You can improve. Oh, what the stuff? Good, uh, good. That's good. I'm used to that. Yeah, That's yeah. No, and, yes. and so, but I, I've got no part of that. I'm just a. I'm not even a proper fanboy because the people that go to Comic Con, they all know about stuff. I'm like, oh, Doctor Who's cool, and they're like, oh, which Doctor loser? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> See what I'm you know, saying? I, I, you're convincing me. I think there's no hope no, for no, you. No. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you could take my robot skeleton to Comic Con. Only if you come along. Ah, I see that we're right back at square one. There, and besides, right? the robot skeleton reminds me of your army, and we had enough time defeating you. I don't want to have to go wait. through that again. <laughs> You know, I had to stop. You know how you defeated me on the Twitter? It's meant to be 140 characters, Stan. You go on for about four or five pages. By I'm, I'm almost as long-winded as you. No. I thought I'd never get a word in edgewise in this interview. It's what like a fight. You Boy, you're talking, talking, uh, talking. You look at the audience, and I'm sitting here I'm just helpless. checking. I'm still there. I'm just a guest. I have no power here. I'm sitting here at your second call. I don't know, Stan. Five years and you never called me back. <laughs> now I see why. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, the good news is we're done. We're finished. I'm ready for a lot more. Well, you, you can I'm go just back. getting started. Well, I have all kind of things I could say about me, the wonderful things I'm doing, yeah. things I'm going to do, how I feel about you. That'll do it. Yeah, but, but what to do is save that up and come back in five years. <laughs> After Comic-Con, that's what. And maybe I'll try and get down to Comic-Con for a day. But if but I'll be the guy dressed as a Star Trek officer to blend in. Just come normally. You'll look like you're in costume. Really? Well, like this? What yeah, I, I think, don't want to stand out. That's what I I'm saying. think you should really come with me because it'll be an experience that you'll never forget. Really? Yeah. All right. Where yeah. is it? But you got to pay your own fare. You give them the one hand much. and then you slap with the other. It's not You're that like... much. You make a lot of money. You television guys make a lot of money. This isn't television. This is CBS. I'm a layman. Look I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> you can make money here. There's no money here. This is a public access show with puppets and a robot skeleton. <laughs> no money here, Stan. There's no money here. I think I'd be better off talking to your skeleton. <laughs> I don't know, actually. What do you got in there? What are you drinking? And like why doesn't the guest get off of yeah, Another do. thing about well, the way you speak. Right right the guest him. sits here and watches you sip and th and and, hey, and hey, I hey, say here. Hey, hey. That was cranky <laughs> bastard. <Look at> that. <laughs> it's the least you could do. Yeah. But if you think I'm gonna drink something yeah. unknown from you, forget it. Well, <laughs> drink up, General. Drink up. When you said we were through, are we wasting time talking? We're off the air, and I'm just... I, I should be going home now, and there's no point talking to him. I never know when the good, it's over. The good thing about this show, Stan, is that there's very little difference between off the air and on the air. <laughs> Both in content and viewers. <laughs> we gotta go. The right. genius that is Stan Lee, everybody. Stan! So, here's some uh, little factoids that I found out. Uh, John, feel free to comment on any of these. Did you know that uh, he never went to a barber in his life? <laughs> no. <laughs> did he do it himself? Or his, his, his wife. His wife Joan cut his hair his entire wow. his entire life. <laughs> well, not his entire life, but sure. Since well, he had known her, seventy years, sixty something years. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. The uh, and I think this is pretty well known. Uh, the character of the Hulk in the very first issue was gray, and he was supposed to continue being gray. But the printer had a hard time keeping the color consistent. So in issue number two, uh, Lee explained, uh, Stanley explained that they just decided to make him green, and they didn't they decide they didn't put any type of explanation as to why. <laughs> it's comics, people. <laughs> it's comics. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I had always loved the story Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and also I loved Frankenstein. Now, to me, the monster in Frankenstein was really the hero. You know, he was nice. He didn't want to hurt anybody. He went around patting little kids on the head, and these idiots with clubs and torches used to chase him around the countryside. So I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have a monster who was really the good guy, you see, and let him change, like in Jekyll and Hyde, back to a normal person? 
According to Lee, also during an argument with his wife, Joni, uh, she destroyed his typewriter that he had used to write the first issues of the characters, including Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. And he said, uh, this happened before eBay. So he says it's too bad because he could, probably could have uh, auctioned the parts <laughs> off and made a mint. <laughs> when Lee moved his family to Los Angeles, he set up a studio in Van Nuys where he stored videotapes of his talks and interviews along with a commissioned bust of his wife. Uh, unfortunately, the building was lost in a blaze uh, that the fire department believed was arson, but uh, no one was ever charged for the crime. Can you imagine all the audio recordings that were lost because of that? Like, it's uh, it's unfortunate because yeah. there was probably some real gold in there. Oh yeah, especially I mean, think about how we do stuff now. It's all digital and stuff like that. It's never really truly lost. Um, but that's when it was, you know, it was a recording was a true recording and that was it. If you lost that, you were done. Yeah. Beginning with, uh, the first Spider-Man film in 2002, Stanley made a quick cameo, uh, made, has made, uh, quick cameos in Marvel films as a, uh, service to the fans. It's also in his contract or it was in his contract that any character that he helped create that he would actually appear. Um, he of course got paid for it too. Uh, but he said that his appearance in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, was inspired by the story of Reed and Sue Richards' wedding in Fantastic Four Annual uh, Number uh, 3, in which him and artist uh, writer Jack Kirby attempted to crash the cer- ceremony but were thwarted, which I completely forgot from that movie that Stanley tries to crash the wedding uh, that's going on in that movie. So I thought that was pretty fun. What was your what's your favorite uh, uh, cameo of his? Oh, it has to be the Deadpool movie. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. He's the DJ in the stripper club. Come on, how do you beat that? <laughs> oh, I love it. I would I, s- it. I would say uh, two other ones that always stand out to me uh, are I th- it's uh, I think it's an Amazing Spider-Man where he's in the library and he's got the headset on. Yes, yeah. Yep. Fights yep. happening behind him and. Uh, that's a great one. And then just on a personal, well, there's two other ones I can think of. One is on a personal level, uh, when I think it's the first Fantastic Four movie where he shows up as the, uh, as the mailman. Uh, yep. Because that was a character in the Fantastic Four. The mailman was a regular occurring character. Oh, yeah. yeah. So him playing that character was great. And also him, I think it was in one of the Avengers movies where he's one, he's talking to one of the Watchers. And that's where the theory came up that Stan Lee is one of the watchers in the Marvel un- Cinematic Universe because he appears everywhere to see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, the one that in Infinity War. I think so. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I love the. Uh, I think this is in the Ultron one. Or no, maybe in Civil War where he shows up delivering the package and he's yeah. looking for Mister. Uh, was it Stank? Stank. Yes. Stank. <laughs> Which one was it where they thought he was Hef? Was that Iron Man? Yeah. Where he uh, shows up on the red carpet with all the girls yes. and he's like, hey, Hef. Yes. <laughs> that was funny, too. <laughs> That's fantastic, yeah. There wasn't a bad cameo with him. Uh, it was it was amazing. So, and no, I, some... You're right, but I think that I think the, uh, the, the Deadpool one, and I did like how they put him in Deadpool 2 ever so subtly. Yes. Uh, with not having him on, you know, there, I, I thought that was that was pretty cool how they yeah, did that. For sure. And um, I have not seen this movie yet, and I've heard it's really good, so I need to check it out. But he does make a cameo in uh, Big Hero Six. And he does, yep. yeah. He's he, and he was in Mallrats. Okay. He's epic in Mallrats. You, have you ever seen Mallrats? I have not seen Mallrats. Oh, you got to see Mallrats. He's got a a fairly lengthy part in that movie. Nice. And then uh, I guess I, I guess he's in the Teen Titans Go movie or something like that, or at least referenced in it or something. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. And then I posted on uh, the Star Joe's page a couple images uh, in the group page. He appears in one of the IDW Ghostbusters comics uh, real briefly oh, wow. in a Ghostbusters uniform. And then oh. uh, and then there's a uh, DC class or I'm sorry, Master Universe Classics figure. Named Standor, uh, ah. who is uh, 
Uh, his likeness is modeled after Stan Lee, and if you look at the character bios from the Dark Horse book, it actually mentions that it is mo- it's meant to look like him, and that's why he's called Standor. So wow. So there, I mean, there we go. We talked earlier about icon and yeah, recognition. The fact he's in not only Marvel universe stuff, but if you're in a he, if you're a He-Man figure in a and drawn into a Ghostbusters comic. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Absolutely. Well, and he also appeared in the Simpsons uh, cartoon. He actually has an action figure out there from the Simpsons cartoon, So, uh, wow. which I actually have that one. So he appeared on Big Bang Theory, which was great. Sheldon just showed up at his house. <laughs> so, yeah, the guy, he's known. Like, like you said, people recognize what he looks like, even if you've... If you know nothing else about comics, I mean, there's people, of course, that know zero about comics. That when I mentioned his, that he passed, they like, oh, who is that? And when I explain, oh, who he is, they're like, oh, wow. But if you know even just a little bit about comics at all, you know who Stanley is. So, so a couple other things. Uh, he was inducted into the Comic Book Industries Will Eisner Award Hall of Fame in 1994, uh, and the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame in 1995. Uh, Lee received a National Medal of Arts in 2008, and he's, uh, I believe, the only, uh, well, there's another award that he received actually from the, uh, the president, too. I'll see if I can find that. I, I know I can't. And, and there's not somewhere. a Stan Lee Hall of Fame? There's, not a, Stan, there's not a Stan Lee Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, you can bet there'll be one soon. I'll probably rename somebody's or put it in somewhere. Right. Now, when Spider-Man married Mary Jane in 1987, Marvel held a publicity event at Shea Stadium in New York. I remember that. Yeah, they took pictures and everything. Yeah, Stan Lee officiated that wedding. Yep. I remember it was on Entertainment Tonight, even. Nice. Very cool. Uh, In 1998, Stan signed a lifetime deal with Marvel Enterprises, Inc., and the contract only required that he spend 10% of his time with the company. In 2012, I didn't know this at all. Uh, this was interesting. In 2012, Stan co-wrote a New York Times best-selling graphic novel for 1821 Comics called Romeo and Juliet: The War. It was a graphic novel that is retelling the classic story, but both families are superhuman soldiers who, after having crushed all their mutual enemies, turn on each other. Whoa! Okay, <laughs> I feel wow. like I need to track that one down. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. <laughs> didn't, didn't he do a comic at some point, and I'm sure the listeners will comment if you don't know, didn't he do something with Pamela Anderson? Yes, Stripperella. Yes. yes, okay, I'm not crazy. I thought I remembered that. Yes, so he did do a comic uh, a cartoon, actually, I think it was. I don't think it was even a comic. It was, okay. It was uh, Pam Anderson voiced it, and it was called Stripperella, and they want, he wanted to do a second season, and it uh, didn't happen, and... Pam Anderson was quoted as saying that uh, Stan uh, wanted to do a second season because he wanted there to be uh, be some nudity, and she wouldn't go for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're totally right. Uh, I got some other tidbits like that, too. Uh, one that completely shocked me. But this, this Romeo and Juliet, The War, I feel like I want to track that one down and see what it's like. Um, when asked which Marvel supervillain he would want to become, Stan said he'd want to be Doctor Doom. Uh, he thinks Doctor Doom is misunderstood, and that just because he wants to rule the world doesn't mean that he he's a hundred percent villain. He said perhaps he'd do a better job than we currently are. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, of course, Stanley is known for saying Excelsior. Uh, do you know what Excelsior means? You know, I don't think I do. It's like it's not God's it, uh, Shazam or yeah, Bingo or no. It uh, it means ever up- <laughs> it means ever upward. Oh. Okay. Which I did not know that either, so that's pretty cool, yeah. Uh, It's also New York State's motto, uh, and it's also Al Gore's motto in South Park's Man Bear Pig episode. (laughs) 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 Stan Lee also has a a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, It's number 2,428th star. Uh, it's located at 7072 Hollywood Boulevard in front of Live Nation building. Again, he's the man is everywhere. Uh, oh, here's the thing from the president. In 2008, 
President George W. Bush presented Stan with the American National Medal of the Arts. Stan is the only comic book writer to ever receive that honor. So that's pretty impressive. One of the exclusive offers for the game adaptation of Amazing Spider-Man was playing a short side uh, quest via uh, downloadable content where you play as Stan himself looking for lost pages of his manuscript while using all of the powers at Spider-Man's disposal. I thought that was pretty hilarious. So you can actually play as Stan Lee with Spider-Man powers. (laughs) This is pretty awesome. Uh, If you are near the University of Wyoming, it might be worth checking this out. Uh, Stan Lee has donated large portions of his personal effects to the University of Wyoming at various times between 1981 and 2001. So over the last... 20 or during that 20 year period he was doing that um this is pretty awesome there's a stan lee foundation which i did not know about um it was founded in 2010 and it focuses on literacy education and the arts its uh, stated goal includes uh, supporting programs and ideas that improve access to literacy resources as well as promoting diversity national literacy culture and the arts so that's pretty awesome on a lighter note, and I've definitely looked into this, and they look kind of cool. Uh, Stan partnered with the NHL in 2011 to form Guardian Media, Media Entertainment. The company creates uh, created superhero characters for every single NHL hockey team. Uh, the promotion was short-lived, but thanks to the internet, the heroes are available for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> and I looked up some of them. They actually look really cool. <laughs> So maybe someone will pick that up now that uh, he has passed on and maybe actually, I don't know, make, do some stories with them. A couple other things. Uh, Lee admitted, Stanley admitted that when he created Iron Man and Tony Stark, that the character was designed so audiences could not relate to him and even dislike him. Uh, Stanley wanted to see if he could market a character so well that audiences would buy the comic despite their reservations about the character. He said, I thought it would be fun to take the kind of character that nobody would like, none of our readers would like, and shove him down their throats and make them like him. <laughs> they said, given the success of Iron Man franchise, I'd say that it was a huge success. <laughs> I, I, I'd say mission accomplished. <laughs> and then last but not least, this uh, the, you thought the uh, Romeo and Juliet thing and the Stripperella thing were interesting? Oh, I got something that tops all of that. <laughs> At the height of Stan Lee's fame... He pitched a comic to Playboy that would be drawn by John Romita, and uh, the according to Romita, the comic would have featured characters named High Priestess Clatana and Lord Peckerton. Jeez. Uh. And I'm sure if Stan was asked about those, he would proudly tell you all about them. Wow. Couple things, uh, just some some uh, things that were s- stated by people uh, uh, upon hearing his passing and everything else. Just talking about Stanley. Uh, one was from uh, Disney chairman uh, and CEO Bob Iger. Uh, he said Stanley was an extraordinary, uh, was as extraordinary as the characters he created. Uh, a superhero in his own right to Marvel fans around the world. Stan had the power to inspire, to entertain, and to connect. The scale of his imagination was only exceeded by the size of his heart. Um, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige said, No one has had more of an impact on my career and everything we do at Marvel Studios than Stan Lee. Stan leaves an extraordinary legacy that will outlive us all. Our thoughts are with his daughter, his family, and the millions of fans who have been forever touched by Stan's genius, charisma, and heart. Excelsior. Uh, And then uh, Gene Simmons uh, actually said, uh, his stories taught me that even superheroes like Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk have ego deficiencies and girl problems that do not live in their macho f- uh, fantasies 24 hours a day. Uh, through the honesty of guys like Spider-Man, I learned about the shades of gray in human nature. And if you don't know this, uh, and that was something that Gene Simmons said back in 1979 during an interview, uh, if you don't know this, uh, the first Kiss comics were done by Marvel, and uh, it was with Gene Simmons and Stan Lee's blessing that they—that's when they put the blood in the ink and all that. So, um, and that—that's a true story. And then uh, 
you mentioned one of the things, one of my favorite things, John, uh, was Stan's Soapbox. Uh, I always loved read. I actually loved reading the Stan's Soapbox because there was such an energy in that. Um, in the comics, it was just like it. It was almost. It was one of the few things I read besides just the comic. Like a lot of other things, I would just you know pass over, even like letter pages and stuff like that. But Stan's Soapbox was always something that I would, I would read and see what was going on. But that was, I mean, that's his life in a nutshell. Unfortunately, I mean, his, it's gonna. I'm sure as the months and years go by, we're gonna see a lot of collected editions of Stanley's work. You know, best of probably books about his life, probably documentaries. Uh, and he deserves all of it. I mean, he, his life was amazing. Um, no pun intended. But I wanted to get together with you tonight and just talk for a little bit uh, about it because it was such a... Uh, it, it, I was talking to a friend at work, and, you know, sad to say we're going to see more and more of these, these actual icons pass on that we grew up with because uh, they're unfortunately not getting any younger, so... Um, well, again, you, you've you've had you had Didco earlier this year, yeah. and again, uh, I think I read somewhere maybe they're talking about Ken Bald now as the oldest Marvel artist from back in the day, still still with us. And yeah, uh, you know, one thing we didn't talk about much though, just, just kind of before we wrap up, is yeah. uh, favorite. You know, favorite. And we talk about characters a lot. Do you ever like a favorite story that he wrote, or or. Yeah, you know, um, characters like that because he wrote so much. You know, we we talked about how we didn't know. At least by the by the '80s and the late '70s, early '80s, he wasn't writing as much as you know, right. kind of the figure and the editor in chief. But you know, if you go back and read those old, you know, you read Amazing or yeah, Amazing Fantasy fifteen or Fantastic yeah. Four one or Journey into Mystery and the Thor stuff. I mean, any of those really strike your fancy? Yeah. So. Um Something that was not that old, but still probably in the last 15 years, um, was he did he came over to DC and wrote all the DC characters as if Stan Lee. It was Stan Lee presents like Aquaman and stuff like that, and it was a different take. I really enjoyed those, um, just because it was it was you know what if you were just given the name Aquaman, like what would it be, you know? And that's kind of what Stan Lee did with it, and uh, those were really entertaining. Uh, as far as his early stuff, uh, in the last five years, I've gotten into uh, the Fantastic Four stuff, and it's because any I really got into the Marvel Cosmic stuff. And anyone that knows their Marvel history, all that Marvel Cosmic stuff uh, has its origins in the Fantastic Four. So I've I have the omnibus editions of Fantastic Four, and I've read bits and pieces here. And the way he wrote them as a family, like truly as a family, is amazing because uh, you really do get a, a idea that this is a family dynamic group and they are flawed which was great uh, they do have personality issues so yeah that's the Fantastic Four is probably the my favorite stuff with him of course I love the Spider-Man stuff but uh, Fantastic Four I feel like is really when he probably had the most fun writing characters uh, from the stuff I've read anything in particular that stood out for you? I, you know, I can go back and read those old, you know, the really early Spider-Man stuff is still really compelling and yeah, Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any really clunkers. You know, I mean, honestly, the, the stuff's all well written. It's thoughtful. Yeah. There's, there's, as we've talked about before, you go back and some of those things are very wordy. You know, there a lot of exposition and yeah, I, I, I prefer that. Yeah, you know, we've talked about that before. I kind of like, you know, a, a comic book having some heft to it that I have to read and think about or, you know, is not, I'm not done in two minutes, yeah. three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, You're getting your money's worth out of it. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, he, he obviously, uh, brought a lot of issues to the forefront and, and, oh, yeah. you know, gave people things to think about. I mean, it, it, uh, I, there's been a lot, you know, read some things out there today from different creators and, uh, you know, they obviously had a, a lot of respect and people, you know, I, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have all these things. Yeah. Let's face it. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, you know, you wouldn't have, wouldn't have these mega, this mega industry of movies and, right. You know, I, n- none of that stuff would have come to pass. Yeah. So we, we Marvel, uh, Marvel would not be what Marvel is without him. 
I mean, it just wouldn't have been what it is without him. So uh, I think I think you you know I think where we are as far as comic book fans and you know even what what we you know GI Joe and those kind of things I don't think they would necessarily you know who knows where comics would have gone because it really was it had. It's interesting again if you read that uh, untold Marvel story. Yeah, you know you kind of read about when comics in the 30s and 40s were for everybody. There was all kinds of different titles and and genres, and then it really became came more for kids. Yeah, and but kid focused, and then Stan Lee comes out and writes things and gets college kids and yeah. uh, young adults uh, interested and engaged. And I think that's where I think Spider Man was so successful. Is here's this kid who just kind of had the thing thrust upon him right he yeah. didn't know what he was doing yeah, so yeah he had life problem he had real life problems yeah the superpowers didn't solve all of his problems even though he thought it would it just they didn't in fact if nothing else it caused more problems for him right um and i think a lot of comics today follow that model for sure you know like uh because everything before that was the hero comes in and saves the day that's the story and Stan Lee wrote the story where it's like, yeah, the hero might save the day, but it might cause problems in his own life. It might cause, uh, he might save the day, but cause a bigger problem because of it. <laughs> um, you know, that wasn't done before this. So before Stan came around, um, at least not to my, anything I know of, uh, everything before that, like you said, it was, it was the damsel in distress and the hero came in and saved him, saved her. So, Spider-Man. Where did Lee get his ideas from? I was sitting thinking of it, trying to think of an idea, and I saw a fly crawling on a wall. And I thought, gee, wouldn't it be something if if we had a hero who could crawl on walls like a fly? So I said, yeah, that's great. Now, then I need a name. So I thought, Fly Man? That didn't sound dramatic enough. Insect Man? No. And I went down a list, and then I got to Spider-Man. And somehow, Spider-Man, it sounded a little scary. It sounded impressive. So I said, I'll call him Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever. Then I have always hated teenage sidekicks in stories, like Robin for Batman or Bucky for Captain America. I always felt if I were a hero, I wouldn't hang around with some teenager. The very least, people might talk. So at any rate, I decided that um, I wanted him to be, Spider-Man, to be a teenager, but I'd make him a different kind. He wouldn't be a sidekick. He would be the hero. Now, I will say also, you mentioning, like, what's your favorite Stan Lee, you know, stuff to read and everything made me also think of my favorite Stan Lee story because much like some of the quotes I was reading as much as it was a, it was great the characters he created he himself was a character and there's a whole lot of Stan Lee actual stories out there about him himself and uh, one of my favorites was him creating the X-Men and he uh, was it was originally called the Mutants and he uh, went in to pitch it, and they were like, no one knows what a mutant is, you gotta change this guy, you know, and so he comes back and he calls it the X-Men, and they're like, okay, that sounds good, and he's like, if you don't know what a mutant is, how do you know what an X-Men is? <laughs> I had already done Spider-Man with Hulk and Fantastic Four, and my publisher said, give me another book, Stan, we're going strong, let's do some more. Well, in order to get a new superhero... You have to think of what his or her power is. That's not too hard. But you have to figure out how did they get that power. And that's a little difficult. I can't have them all be bitten by radioactive spiders. So I had already given them their powers. And then it hit me. What if they're mutants? What if they were born that way? I thought that was brilliant. And I ran into my publisher and I told him about the characters. And I said, we'll make them mutants, and we'll call the book The Mutants. And he said, no, Stan, that'll, that's no good, because our readers wouldn't know what a mutant is. And I said, you don't have enough respect for our readers. They will know, or else they'll learn by reading the story. He said, no, I don't like the name The Mutants. So I had to think of something else, because he was the boss. So I thought, after a while, each of them has an extra power, 
Maybe I'll call them the X-Men. That could sound kind of dramatic. So I ran back to him, and I said, okay, how about if we call them the X-Men? And he said, oh, that's great. And as I walked out of his office, I thought, if a reader wouldn't know what a mutant is, how will he know what an X-Man is? But I wasn't about to make an issue of it. I had my title, and that's why the leader, I called him Professor Xavier, because it began with an X, and that tied in with the X-Men and so forth. I've always tried to do our stories so that it didn't matter if you were of the white race, the black race, the brown race, or whatever. So social issues, I try to get in, in the background or underlaying a plot, but never to the point of letting it interfere with the story or hitting the reader over the head. I have to say, one of the things that made me laugh today, and, you know, let's face it, the onion sometimes is a little rude, but... Uh, you know, you mentioned him being a character. You know, their headline was Stan Lee, creator of beloved Marvel character Stan Lee, dead at 95. I thought that was funny. Yeah. I think you probably <laughs> would have thought that was funny. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the images that I saw, too, was a little cartoon, like one of those editorial cartoons. It's Stan Lee carrying a suitcase that says Marvel on it, and he's wearing a badge that says Stan Lee, and he's got, you know, uh, an artist thing that he's carrying, too. And he's up in heaven, and it's God speaking to him. He says, uh, you're not half bad at creating universes yourself, kid. So ah. I thought that was really, uh, really pretty awesome. So much like with the uh, Jeremy episode, hopefully through this episode, you've liked some of the interviews uh, or uh, actual hearing stand throughout the episode. Uh, I am going to be doing my best to get this out this, this same night. It's a tough one. To, this one was a tough one. To, you know, uh, not that any of the other ones, like you said, losing Steve Ditko, that was a tough one too. I mean, losing, basically we lost in the same year the entire origin creators of Spider-Man. Um, but this one, this one's a harder one just because it's, uh, at least for me it was, just because it's, it's such, it's one of the big names. You know, it's one of the, one of the big ones that just became part of your life. Like he, he just... He was always there. Um, I, th- I think for a, a lot of people, it was almost like he was almost like the uh, like a Dick Clark or something like that, where it's like, oh, he's always going to be there. He's never going to go away. I'm always going to see Stan Lee in uh, camo- cameoing in a movie or at a convention. He's going to be at the next convention and stuff like that. And um, I did hear the rumors that they did a few different cameos of him filming ahead of time because they didn't know how much longer we would have him, so he might appear in a, more than just like the Captain Marvel movie, he might appear in some of the other ones beyond that, so I don't know what truth there is behind that, but um, it would make sense if they did, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I would venture to guess we'll at least see him one more time in Captain Marvel, uh, and probably I would think in Infinity War 2, uh, I would think that they would have already had some of that filmed already, but we'll see. Any last thoughts, John? Wish him Godspeed. Yeah. yeah, and thank you for everything, uh, everything you brought. So, uh, not gonna pitch anything. You guys know where everything is at. Uh, we'll just close the episode by saying the force will be with you, because knowing us is half the battle. And Excelsior! Excelsior! Excelsior.